everyone. I'm Father Alexander Har. And I'm the Reverend David Marshall. And this is uh, Bridge Between, where we bridge our knowledge of the gospel, we bridge uh, the distance between two clergy, and what are we bridging today? What it feels like to be on Monday and working on the gospel. <laughs> that's, that's part of our bridging. Alex and I have a case of the Mondays, so uh, I just want to apologize in advance if this goes a little bit off the rails. So, but we're going to have a good time. Just so you know, I was not planning on being on the rails to start, so <laughs> this will be very easy for us. <laughs> we're already uh, unrailed, derailed. Derailed, I don't know. Sans rail. Anyway, yeah, that we, whatever it is, but we're going to have a great time. You know why? Because we're together? Uh, right. And we're going to talk about this awesome gospel, which uh, I think a lot of people have heard before, but maybe have not spent a lot of time delving into. Uh, so I've got a question for you, Alex. Okay. If you were exploring the catacombs and looking at the early church in the second and the third century, and you would see that they didn't write things down, but they put things up in murals, what is the most common image that's out there? I'm going to say a fish. Uh, it's the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, okay. So that Which is the most has a common... fish in it. Well, right. I mean, there's <laughs> that's two fish in it. That's a fact. Yes, those pescados, right? Is that it? Something like that. Yes, those pescados. <laughs> yeah. So it has the so it has a mural of the feeding of the five thousand. Yes. Correct. Right. Maybe it emphasizes the fish. I don't know. That's um. Hey, let's go to France. And you and I can go explore it ourselves. We should do one of these from a catacomb inside. That would be great. Oh, yeah. I, I'm ready to book the trip now. So um, what I was getting at is that what we're having is this was a popular story in the early church. Uh, it is uh, how many gospels can you find it in? All of them? Yes. It's one of the few miracles where all four uh, capture it. So um, do you want to jump in? Please. All right. So it's Matthew 14, verses 15 through 21. When it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour now is late. Look at this. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Here endeth the list. All right. So there it is. You feed them, says Jesus. And they did. I, I, I love that because as the disciples listen to this, they're not expecting to be told to do something like this. Right. And with Jesus, it appears that you really need to keep yourself on, you know, on your toes, mm -hmm. because he may ask you at any particular moment to do something. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I love the, you feed them. And yeah. 
I believe this comes on the heels of Jesus having done something that models and demonstrates for them that this can be done. Yes. Uh, this was not the first crowd that Jesus had gathered around him. This was not the first time he went somewhere where he preached and then he cured people. Um, this was a, um, I don't want to say becoming routine, but it was something that they were getting familiar with. Mm -hmm. And um, except this was impromptu. Uh, if I can lead up to the gospel real quick, that um, Jesus's cousin um, or some related family member named John, uh, the one who baptizes, uh, he had been arrested. And John was the one that paved the way for Jesus. Anyway, he got arrested and uh, and was killed in prison in a, in a horrible, horrible way. And Jesus found out about it, got into a boat and went out way by himself. He went out to grieve. He went out to, to ponder all sorts of things. And, um, and when he made it to the other shore, that's where everybody was, that they all gathered. So this was impromptu. This was not um, designed to go out. I imagine he showed up in the afternoon. I imagine he started healing and curing. And then suddenly they're like, it's getting dark. People are going to be hungry. And so that's our setting. Um, so Jesus, I think, was, in, in my opinion, was feeling worn out. Um, maybe, uh, I don't want to say scared. I don't want to, you know, throw too many heresies out there. But um, but his, um, his partner, his friend in ministry, his uh, family member was just murdered. And, uh, and that took something for Jesus to ponder. Um, so I imagine his tank was on empty and yet people still were gathered because they had need. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, absolutely. And I would say if we want to summarize perhaps what Jesus was feeling, there's a very simple, powerful word that you and I are both familiar with. Many people are familiar with grief. Yeah. Jesus was grieving. And wrapped in grief are things like exhaustion and um, anxiety, loss. So grief entails a lot of different emotions and conditions at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think when Jesus encounters these people, I don't think that he asks the disciples to do this because his tank is on empty. I, I think it's, you know, a, a teachable moment getting them to understand that they can do this. But... I don't discount the fact that Jesus chose to still do something, even though he was grieving. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that is difficult for those who share in ministry, be they clergy or lay, is sometimes you just have to keep going, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of your own pain. Um, you're not trying to be a martyr. That's not what God is calling us to do. But sometimes the tank is very low when you're asked to do something. Um, and I have had moments like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And part of the model that Jesus is showing us is that he then relied on his disciples mm -hmm. um, and then said, you feed them. Like, what, all we've got, they just kind of gathered what they had, yeah. um, you know, two fish and, and five loaves of bread. Um, this, and, I mean, if there's 12 of them, this is not enough, right? Um, but there's more than 12, a whole bunch more than 12. Um, but that's what they had. And then, uh, Jesus took the, um, going back to our scripture, um, took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven. Um, so now he's relying on God. Mm -hmm. Uh, he blessed and broke the loaves. 
and gave them to the disciples, the disciples gave them to the crowd, and that he kept breaking, as one particular theologian had written, uh, that he kept breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking, and it kept, the more that he broke, the more bread there was to break, right. and the more fish there was to share. Um, that he just kept that verb going. Um, but Jesus must have felt broken inside. Uh, and that from there, that brokenness kept coming more and more things. And um, and I can just see Jesus just sitting down on the grass, just winded or tired or um, and, and letting everybody else feed. Um, have you ever had to feed 5,000 people? What's the, what's the largest group you've ever fed, Alex? Ooh, hmm. I would probably venture to say the largest, like, Eucharist situation that I've ever participated in was more than 300. And that was um, no, a big, I'm big, like, big funeral. <clears throat> now, like dinner or lunch or, you know. Well, dinner, dinner or lunch, oh, probably around the same size. Probably okay. around the same size group. Something I wanted to point out, though, is we talk about um, doing things and continuing to work even in our brokenness. Jesus acknowledges God and turns to God first mm -hmm. before trying to minister out of any grief or hurt that he has. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important message for people. If we just try to do it on our own, without any spiritual support from God, without taking that to God and surrendering it to God, we may hurt people spiritually right. if we're not right. careful. Right. Or at least leave them hungry or famished. Right. So, yeah, he did all that. Um, and the the other thing that catches my attention on this is um, what seems like a small or trivial amount of food um, became a dramatic, um, huge amount of food. Uh, and then became, um, if, if you follow uh, what people uh, paint and things and catacombs and other things uh became one of the most popular stories you know that this this little offering that they gave became something gigantic and uh that tells me that whatever we bring to god uh god can use and if we might feel like it's an insignificant amount um but what we bring if it feels small or insignificant that just allows god's grace to fill in the gaps and to to make it very large well, I have been uh, taught, I remember from, from when I was young, from when I was little, that God, you know, we bring to God whatever we can. And God will take it, he will sanctify it, he will multiply it, and he will give it back to us greater than what we gave to him. Mm -hmm. and, and this is kind of, you know, the, the stewardship portion, I guess, of our podcast, where I think sometimes people worry I'm only giving a little bit. Does it really matter? It does. It does matter because that little bit that you give, God is going to multiply and sanctify it and give it back to you, give it back to the church in order for it to be something greater. And to me, this is also speaking a great deal about our liturgy because why do we bring up gifts from the congregation? I love that we bring up right. gifts from the back of the, the, the congregation, because it is the fruit of the work that people have done in conjunction and in cooperation with God who provides the grain, God who provides the grapes. Human work gets added in, and we get bread and wine. And it's from the congregation that these gifts come in order to become, for us, Christ. Mm -hmm. 
is. Um, same goes for stewardship of the of the earth and of creation. That mm-hmm. uh, it gets real depressing. And uh, you remember the scene from um, Independence Day? I don't know why I just thought of this. <laughs> okay. When um, <clears throat> they had a can, a, 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 an old Coke can that they were supposed to recycle, mm-hmm. and somebody threw it away. And now the world's about to end, right? And the aliens are about to invade the earth. And Jeff Goldblum's character took it and said, "No, no, you recycle, right? You you put it over here, right?" Um, that for us it feels insignificant to um like i don't know if you guys noticed but i often drink out of uh it's mm-hmm. metal and has a straw and i use these recyclable uh, they're not recyclable the rewashable straws um and i think yeah i'm just one guy and it's just one straw but um but when it comes to stewardship of the earth it's no matter how small the effort um so i have a friend who's given up red meat because of uh of the uh, the amount of methane and all that that, that comes from uh, eating cows, and um, and she says it's not going to change the world, but it changes me. And yeah, but just every little thing that you offer um, has but something. I would, I would argue not to argue against your friend, but I would argue it does change the world because little behaviors on our part and little things that we do that we demonstrate to others are what transform the world. I was talking with somebody uh, about how a simple smile can transform a room. Yeah. A simple smile can transform a conversation. And so often we want to make huge sweeping changes in the world. It starts with something small because Mm -hmm. character starts with something small. Mm -hmm. Holiness. So, you know, we talk about offering God small things. If we were to offer God small moments throughout the day, what would it add up to? Mm-hmm. Well, we should find out. Let's start offering small moments to God. Um, so the, the parallel that I would tie in about Jesus and his grief going off in a boat by himself, uh, having compassion on the crowds that had arrived and all of that, um, it, the dangerous part is for us to get into Jesus's mind and tell people <clears throat> what he was thinking. but. Um, if I can go down that dangerous path, uh, I have a, uh, a little prayer that is in a plaque that is right by, uh, so I can see it all the time, but <clears throat> it says, O oh Lord, your sea is so great and my boat is so small. Mm-hmm. Your sea is so great and my boat is so small. I imagine Jesus praying that as he was leaving the shoreline, uh, grieving, uh, John, the baptizer. Um, and saying to God, I'm just one person. I am so small in all of this. And then with that feeling of smallness and of brokenness, uh, we have one of the greatest stories of Christianity. Uh, yeah. So I, I think there's and, this really strong tie in there. And you were saying? Well, I was going to say that I think one of the reasons, um, there, I think there's a couple reasons why this story continues to endure. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's a miracle uh, from Jesus, which always fascinates us. But also, I think it speaks to the fact that we still live in a hungry world. Hmm. And so the the question we kind of sometimes want to ask Jesus when we hear this miracle is, Jesus, could you do this now, please? Hmm. Could you multiply these things that that, that we need because we're hungry? Mm -hmm. Yes. And the people are out there because they were spiritually hungry. Yep. Um, and they had been hearing the parables that Jesus had said, 
um, they wanted to come out to hear more and, and then found out that they were fed as well. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating parallel. Um, so the, um, as Jesus is fond of saying, the harvest is great and the laborers are few. Um, but also in his mind, it doesn't take many of us making small changes every day, uh, that can change the world. So that's, that's what I get from this. Well, and, you know, during this green season, as, as I like to call it, um, where we're talking about growth, I think we're now beginning to talk about how, the, as the disciples were called to begin to grow the ministry that Jesus was starting, each one of us is going to be told at some point, you feed them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just going to be me or you, but it's it's going to be everybody in the congregation who's going to be called to, to feed everyone. And, and I think... If I were to say probably one of the biggest challenges I'm noticing is that people, that that person in the pew, they need to be asked personally. They need to be asked in a very direct way, you got to feed them too. And, hmm. and give them, you know, and give them the skills, you know, empower them, teach them, work with them, pray with them, and pray for them. But also to let them know, you know, this is you as well, that you're going to be called to feed these people and to distribute this food and to, you know, spiritually as well. Because um, as a congregation gets bigger, something I've, I've noticed over the years, it can be very easy to hide. <laughs> right. You know, and, and a person can say, well, I just come every Sunday, I go home, you know, spend an hour at church, I go home, and that's my routine. And I think the church has to say, sorry, that's just not going to work. Exactly. Uh, a church that has really strong leaders and people show up and they say, well, look at those leaders. I'll let them do the work. Uh, I'll just sit back here. Right. It's um, even for small churches that have that. It's no, we, we all have a role to play. And um, and then the, the flip side is don't tell me how small your gift is. So um, if you were that one person that had one small loaf of bread, you're like, how about this? Right. Uh, that that's that's what God uses. So um, and if you think you have. Um, in, insignificant talents, or if you think that you've been passed over in many ways, um, Jesus is calling you to bring what it is that you have to offer it, and he will use it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, we can kind of beat a dead horse about this because people have really seen and, and heard, you know, the story about the Feast of the, the, of the Multiplication. Mm-hmm. But I think what hits me personally is... I want to turn to Jesus and say, how do, how do I get fed? Mm. Um, because sometimes if I'm not careful, I can feel like I'm kind of rationing grace hmm. um, and saying, oh, I'm just going to take a little bit of grace today, maybe a little bit tomorrow. Right. And I think Jesus wants to say, no, not don't take just a little bit. Eat until you are full. Yes. Um, which, you know, I have no problem doing that because I like to mm-hmm. be full. Um, but... <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, if we're not careful, we can look at it from the other perspective of, well, I only need a little bit. I'm only going to take a little bit. And, and Jesus says, no, eat, keep eating, man. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there recently uh, in prayers, I had a number of people to pray for. And when I got to six or seven, I thought, oh, I should slow to, you know, uh, I've got more, but I don't want to, you know, like, I don't know, wear God out, use all of my uh, prayer chips you know, and and that's not how Jesus either. Like, keep bringing them. Keep tell me everybody who needs to be healed. Don't 
uh, and don't worry about wearing out that welcome mat with Jesus. You can't. Um, he'll, Correct. Well, he'll, put, he'll put a new one down. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it's easy to think, I'm just going to offer, these people really, really need it, so I'm just going to offer that, and I'm going to forget about the other. No, no, just bring everybody uh, to Jesus that needs it. And he, um, you know, I read a really interesting article um, <clears throat> about, um, uh, about the excesses of the gospel and the concerns about the excesses, uh, excesses of American life and particularly how much food we throw away. And that this particular author was trying to throw um, Jesus's extravagance in with the mix by saying that the Christian church—I see you're shaking your head. This nope. is what makes it an interesting article to me: is that I uh, often don't read something and completely rail against it. But she then wrote about how he even took wine and and made more wine than is almost humanly possible to drink. And that's he did it after people were already drunk. Uh, what type of excesses does that show? And I'm like yeah what is it showing so uh, I, I gotta throw um at our spanish service yesterday i'm, I'm i apologize to him because he, he doesn't watch the podcast but i'm gonna throw him under the bus here is uh my deacon from the spanish service we have a cruet of wine right and there was about that much wine in there uh -huh. and he takes and he pours about half of it in okay and i go who are you saving it for Right. I said, we're, I said, we're a church of abundance, man. Who are you saving this for? Just put the whole thing in. I'm going to guarantee you it's not going to waste. Nobody in this room is going to let that go to waste. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but it's like sometimes we, we, we can have that theology of scarcity. Right. Instead of a theology of abundance, not that we produce abundance, but that God produces uh, abundance. And the other one that I want to share as we kind of come to um, the latter part of our, of our time is uh, one Sunday a month we do a healing Eucharist um, at both services. And I was talking uh, yesterday, after our Spanish service, we were doing a class on hospitality as evangelism, how hospitality essentially is the first step in evangelism. And I said, you know, people come to church so many people come who are hurting, who are broken, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you name it, human beings are broken. I said, and it, it's always funny to me, as the priest of the parish, who knows that we're all broken and that some people I do know are actually quite sick, mm -hmm. that we only have a handful of people come up to receive that prayer of healing. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if we truly understood what Jesus was trying to do in healing. If we truly understood and believed what the ministry of the church was trying to do in healing, the, the service would be two hours because everybody would come up for the healing and then everybody would come up for the Eucharist. Yes. Yeah. I mean, is, I mean isn't that, isn't that it? Right, right. Um, for various people out that I've run into out in the world, uh, most recently, um, two guys that were on two different jet skis that, um, <clears throat> that helped pull the boat back to the dock because um, I had run out of fuel. Um, <laughs> and no, Alex, you weren't on the boat then. I wasn't on the boat um, this time. You weren't on the boat. No, no. These, anyway, two great guys. And I mean, yeah, we were really close to the dock anyway, but still, they brought me in. And um, I, to each one, as he was untying, you know, we're, we're this close together. And I said, thank you for doing this. Is there anything I can pray for you uh, personally? 
and each one of them, and every time I've said this, it's usually like, no, no, I'm okay, but I have a family member or I have a friend or, you know, yeah. do that. And then, um, and the prayer is always about the other person and then telling Jesus, and this man has something, yeah. uh, also heal that. Um, and it's this, this great abundance that happens and, um, it's just, it's just wonderful. And these two men were both moved to tears independently of each other. Um, because they don't, they said, you don't know how much this means. Um, and I'm like, well, and I had this real strong feeling that one of the family members, um, has been healed and, uh, Amazing. because of his faith and because of asking for that, yeah. I just had this, this overwhelming sense. And I said, it's, it's time for you guys to rejoice and go visit. Um, and it was just such a, a cool thing. And, um, we ran out of gas, you know, <laughs> it's a complete but not, vulnerability, but not out of grace. But no, no, not out of grace. No, yeah. no, no. So, so maybe um, kind of the parting thought that we want to leave uh, people with as they go into um, this Sunday, because some people will hear this story and some people will hear the story of the transfiguration, mm. um, is God's grace can't run out. Right. You know, it, it is not, it is impossible for God's grace to run out. And... Um, if we begin to think that way as the church, what would Christ accomplish through us if we knew that grace couldn't run out? Yep. Um, some would say grace is multiplied by brokenness. Mm -hmm. uh, so the more broken you are, the more desperate you feel, uh, the, the greater um, the power and the effect of grace as well. So, um, and if you're one of those that are like, I can do this myself, I can solve these things on my own. Um, yeah, so God's grace is not going to be as powerful as when you say, God, I can't do this at all. Uh, I'm completely helpless. Amen to that. Your, your sea is way too big and my boat is way too small. Uh, that's suddenly when God um, does some of God's greatest things. So, um, you know, I don't think we came off the rails at all. In fact, I think we fully stayed on rail. Is that? I, you know, I'll agree. I think, we, <clears throat> I think we stayed on task today and then we'll reserve the, the leaving of the rails for another <laughs> another time right um <laughs> yeah, we reserve the right to to uh run off the rails at the next at the next time you know my uh, grandfather my dad's dad uh is a was a train engineer uh, mm -hmm. so he took derailment very seriously <laughs> and i shouldn't chuckle but you know it's it's kind of a big deal in the uh in the railway lines to stay on the track it's a good thing so well anyway i've got plenty of stories i'll share later about grandpa but so. Well, I'm glad that we're on track together. <gasps> nice. Yes. Uh, yes. Full head of steam. We are. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we're getting well, there together. I thank you. I thank you for our time together today. I thank everyone for, for joining us. Uh, as always, don't forget to um, like and subscribe. Leave a comment. Uh, we're trying to get better about those. And uh, share this with somebody who maybe needs to hear that grace cannot run out. Amen. Yep. All right. God bless you. All right. God bless you too, sir. I will talk to you later. All right. Bye.